This is a journey into sound. I know what you pinko, heavy metal weirdos do. You are locked into MSR Cast, brought to you by Mainstream Resistance. If you like corporate bullshit, listen to commercial radio. If not, stay tuned. Fuck the mainstream. Boy, this is James Rivera. I'm going back to old school. MSR cast? Oh, come on. Yes, we've been around for a long time, and we're not going away. This is James Rivera from Hellstar. Support your local scene.
Welcome everyone to a brand new episode of MSR Cast. I am one of your hosts. I am Carrie G, and I have the pleasure of having Hellstar's frontman James Rivera with me. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. I'm doing wonderful. We're enjoying some good California weather in Texas, which is very rare. We're sitting out on a patio. Otherwise, we would not be doing that because we'd have a bad hair day. That's right. <laughs> Drinking some margaritas and eating yeah. some Mexican food. That's, that's it. That's a Texas night for you right now. Yeah. Um, so you guys have a brand new album coming out. Um, it comes out the end of April. Let's let's talk about that. What is the concept behind the album? Um, the concept about the album is called This Wicked Nest. It's, it's just basically about the way this world is, you know, through pol- politics, through everything. There's nothing you really can do to change it. Um, unfortunately, you know, I don't ever get into politics, you know, as far as what I believe and, but you know, it, to me on a personal level, no matter who you vote for, no matter what you do or who's running this, who's running that, it, it's not going to change anything. It's just the plan. It's the master plan that it's always been. Yeah. I'm sort of into the, you know, conspiracy thing and all, but to me, you know, we all live in this world that's screwed up. What you have to think about is let it bother you that much that you're going to go shoot a bunch of people in a mall or just go, what can I do about it? Shrug your shoulders, love your family and friends and do the best that you can for yourself. But we do live in this wicked nest and there's nothing we can do to change it. No religion, no politician, no uh, religious figure is going to get us and change this. It's the way it is and accept it, but accept it in a fine line so that you can live your normal life. Now, let's talk about what we're talking about, the album. What influences you when you go to write lyrics and, and think about what songs you want to do? How? <laughs> That's very simple. Because when I'm not touring, I work from home. I have a work-from-home job, and I don't want to get into all that. But um, I watch CNN religiously every day. That's, that's all I have on TV. And you'd be surprised how... I have to stop my job and get up and go, what now? And, and and it's like, there's another song. I mean, by the end of the day, I've written five albums. There's, there's madness everywhere. Just just watch the news. Yeah. If it's not Mother Nature rebelling, it's somebody doing something stupid. Then uh, uh, This guy was caught fucking his dog. And I'm like, God damn, you know, what's the world coming to these days, you know? And it, it it's a joke. We, you know, we live in a joke and... I, I, I see like a lot of us living a normal life and getting through this stuff, but you'd see some people just can't handle it and they right. go and then then they make news even worse than what it was. So I mean, me for me, inspiration is just watching the news. And news definitely is usually just negative stuff. They don't really... That's it. Well, it's overblown yeah. on the negative side of things, which is why we wrote that song Pandemonium on the last album. It's how the new is they're making money. And so, yeah, exactly. you see, so the, at the end of the day, it's all about the mighty dollar. And who runs the mighty dollar? Your government. And, you're, and you see, back and forth, we live in this wicked nest. <laughs> so what's what's going to give you better ratings and, and more money for your for your ad? Exactly. Good news or bad news? It's it's the truth, though. Exactly. And good news pays you less. Bad <laughs> news pays you more. It's true. I want to fuck my dog. I want to be. <laughs> <laughs> 
So uh, let's go through some of the, t uh, the tracks on the album. Um, I had a chance to listen to it last week at a premiere, and uh, the first the first track, uh, "Follow of Dominion," it has a great intro. Like first couple minutes, that really stylistically changes when the uh, when the song really kicks in. Let's talk about some of the tracks on the album. Okay, well, "Follow of Dominion" is about the movie V. Really? Which is a cool thing that yeah. kind of leads into the whole concept of wickedness because the whole movie's based on a crooked government and a crooked this and he wanted to just make justice for us normal people. And that's what that whole song's about. Is that that movie followed Dominion. You know, and it's it's about how, you know, you can okay. make people see that they're, you know, there, it's not like, you know, like we, we don't believe in like, okay, let's start a bunch of revolutions, but at one point in your life, you're going to say, hey man, I'm tired of this shit. I've done everything right. And you're still fucking with me. And I, no matter what I do right, you still want to just mess with me. You want me to think that I am not, you know, no, but yet this guy can get away with that and I can't. I got, a, I got beat up and arrested for jaywalking. He stole millions from a corporate, you know, thing and he's playing golf. What's the deal with that? You know, so basically, it's it's based on that movie. Let's uh, go through some of the other tracks on the album. Um, there's the one that definitely stands out to me was it's a very slower track, very doomy, uh, very Candlemas in nature. Curse. The cur well, see that is totally separate from the whole concept of the album. It's simply about death. One day we're going to die, and. Larry wrote the lyrics because his grandmother's 101 years old. Wow. And you get to that age where you get delusional. And you're always kind of like, you know, I, I don't feel, you know, I think today's the day. Because wow, you've lived so long that you're just waiting like, who's that? It's the Reaper. Yeah. No, no, no. He's wearing a tuxedo and he looks nice. Go ahead and go with him. You know what I mean? We all know that's the only promise in life. It's the one thing we all have in common. Exactly. You're born, but there's only one thing I can promise. You can become a millionaire. You can become a rock star. You can become a movie star. You become nothing but a drunk under the bridge. But I do guarantee you one thing. You're going to die. It's called a curse. So you make what you can out of your life. And if you live... Some people die, unfortunately, through an accident, which is unfair. If they lived a good life with 22 years old, like, oh, I was on, he was on his way to be a doctor. Some guy hit him on the freeway and he's killed. But that's the way things happen. But y you do need to know that one day this shell that you have will end. And whatever's inside is going to go somewhere else or maybe not. Whatever you believe in. So that's what the song Curse is about. Okay, this has turned uh, very somber and very morose really quickly. Let's go to something happy now. Um, let's talk about the collaboration you guys did with Jeff Loomis. How did, uh, how did that come about? Well, that all started because me and Jeff have been friends since 99. Um, when I was in Destiny's End, and I did my first real U.S. tour uh, with Nevermore and Iced Earth. And Destiny's End was, it was a three-day three band package and uh oh yeah it was incredible and that was the that was the resurgence of power metal again you know and it was a great tour and we've been really good friends since then i mean and it turns out that when you tour with people you get together and you have drinks and you know then you you, you start to bond 
And then the emotions come out. And then he's like, dude, you don't have no idea how big of a Hellstar fan. He goes, I didn't even want to talk to you for the first few days because I was afraid you would be like... And he was like, but you don't know how fucking I feel that you're... I know who you are, where you came from, and you're torn with us. And he admitted to me he was a big Hellstar fan. I said, oh, dude, that's killer. Well... As time went on, Larry and Rob started getting back into the music industry. Their favorite guitar player was Jeff Loomis. Mm. And so they started somehow mingling with each other, doing their internet, me already having the connection with him. And then when it came time to write the instrumental, Larry just reached out to him after all the nice conversations and said, we'd be honored if you would be a guest on our record. And he was just like, hell yeah. You know, and uh, that's how it happened. Wow, that's great. Um, so before we move on, let's talk about any of the other tracks on the album that you uh, would like to touch upon. Well, like I said, the, the majority of the record is about the concept of which I already explained what this wicked nest is about. It Has Risen is dedicated to my Turkish metal family because um, I was there during that whole thing that was going on. Uh, you know, unfortunately and fortunately, when there were the riots were going on, and they're going through some shit right now. That it, it the song is based on the regime of how people will make you believe that. Oh yeah, don't worry, my friend. I will make this all great, and then all of a sudden, their colors start changing. And uh, oh, hey, wait a minute, you know. Yeah, well, I said that it was okay to do this, but now I've changed my mind. Now, I've heard that they're getting Facebook taken away from them and all this other stuff. That's getting scary. Yeah. But when I was there, and I was in the middle of people getting gassed, and I'm sitting there having dinner with friends, and people are walking around with gas masks, and they're revolting, and soldiers are walking by throwing more bombs... I was in the middle of something that I never thought I would be in the middle of. Like, to me, it was like watching the news, and it was a dream. And my friends are go, oh, it's okay. You're, they're not going to mess with us. We're, let's eat. Let's eat and drink. And you're going, like, how can I fucking eat and drink? when it, Whatever they were saying. Like, the hell with the government. And the soldiers are walking in, beating people with clubs. And I'm like, holy shit. So when I wrote It Has Risen, it was about the regime. And once they, the friend that I stayed with, he explained the story of what's happening. And what they want is the whole Turkey to become Muslim. When mm. some of it was Christian, some that's why they have heavy metal there. That's why they get to live the way they want to. Now they're like, no, no, no more of that. And I'm like, wow. And so they're slowly but surely getting pushed out of being themselves and that's to me is like uh, that's not right because uh, you know you're not God you know, whoever you are running this place now I'll probably never get allowed in, <laughs> in this day. I'll kind of get arrested right away that's the long haired Mexican guy we've been waiting for <laughs>
So let's uh, let's talk about you know the cover and what influences that. Um, you guys have had this the skull character for the Scully. Past. Scully, that is yeah, right? he's a crackhead. <laughs> it's 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 crazy because you know it took a while for I guess for you in into your career for you to come up with a character, but it's yeah. like a branding because you know our main's done and Megadus has done yeah. it. Yeah. What what was that decision to to actually have that character and and tell me a little bit about it? It accidentally happened. Uh, it, it accidentally happened when a friend of ours, John Fossum, came up with the design of a skull with some devil horns. And we started using it in Glory of Chaos. Then we started using it in the live thing. Then we perfected him. And then now we've made him into a politician on this record. You know, he's got a suit. He looks all sharp. He looks like Frank Sinatra doing too much crack. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so uh, and he's he, now he's a trademark. So he's always going to be our dude, no matter what. He's even been a pirate for the 70,000 tons of metal. Oh, yeah. We put a patch on him and everything, yeah. Oh, he might, hey, uh, yes, I love metal, you know? So it's it's kind of like he's a... Uh, and you know what? There's nothing wrong with a mascot. Uh, it, you, people can say, yeah, but everybody's done it. But then you can have a lot of people say, dude, that's cool. You guys finally have somebody to but do you, it. But you know what? It, it works. It, it works. It does. It does. It's not like somebody's going, oh, I'm not going to buy their arms. They're trying to be have an Eddie. He doesn't look like Eddie, and he doesn't look like Vic. Right. You know, he's his own guy. He's basically, Scully is Satan's skull. And whatever Satan decides to wear on the next album, we don't know on the next album, he may even have a doctor suit. You know, we may be talking about the corruption of the medical system, <laughs> you know, and, you know, in between some lady's legs, you know, eh, doing a, you know, kind of, <laughs> that would be really, no, that sounds more like a death metal thing. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> but, you know, Scully is going to be there now forever. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, a lot of people are going to be surprised when we play live. That's all I can tell you. Wow. So who do you collaborate with when you uh, for the album covers now? Who, 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 who uh, well, we were we were using the guy that used to do the Nightwish albums for a long time. He act, Scully was really created by John Fossum. He took it and made a better um, image of him. But our new guy Johan gave Scully that real individual look, and we wanted him to look meaner. And on this album, he is exactly what we want him to be now. Yeah, it, like going back to that branding is it's really such an important part of marketing, and seems to be missing from a lot of fucking heavy metal bands right now. Exactly, and you know what? As a matter of fact, Scully is getting—he's uh, getting, he's getting uh, made on some very personal wristbands that I'm having now made and all that, and he's going to be like the bubble gum, you know, bubble gum guy. You know, like yeah, yeah so we got the Scully bubble gum. <laughs> You know, and he, he's just a he's a just a simple skull with devil horns. That's all it is. But he's unique, and you know he's different. You know, so I mean, uh, Scully's cool. He hangs out with us. <laughs> he's he's very cheap to take out to eat. Doesn't eat very much. You know? <laughs> Can imagine. <laughs> Got a lot of t-shirt designs <laughs> coming up in the future. Oh man, yeah. I mean, just think about it. we can go crazy with Scully panties, Scully socks. You know. There you go. Um, so, what is the writing process for the band, and uh, how long does it take to really go from concept to a completed album? Well, you know, it used to be the old school you used to get in a jam room and jam all together and write the songs, and you'd rehearse them for a whole year before you went in the studio. So, by the time you went to the studio, man, you were pretty much laying it down just like nothing. Now, 
the technology we write through internet. You know, everybody's got their pro tools. We all send I've heard the that I- a lot recently. Yeah, we send the ideas back and forth. And then we all get together and talk about the ideas. And that's when we go to the powwow. We call it the powwow and go, yeah, dude, you, what you sent me sounded great. But I was wondering if you should do this on the melody. And then it all, I know the producer, he he hates it, but he loves it because he gets to be a part of it. Uh, and there would be no sense of having a producer if you're going to have it all written the way you want and go in there and lay it down and just lay it down. No. That's not fun for him. He wants to go, oh, you know what I was thinking, you know? And that's why we love working with Craig Douglas and, you know, and Mark. They're, they're the greatest from Sound Origin, especially when it comes to the vocals. You know, they're, they're the greatest guys in the world that I've ever worked with. And they took the vocals very serious on this record. And uh, that's why it came out so good. We took our time with it. So I'd go in there and say, this is my idea. 90% of it to them is done. But the perfection part is mm-hmm. their expertise in the key, the notes, the, you know, bringing out the xylophone and James, well, what if you did that? You know, and Mark is just, he's phenomenal at that. You know, he's to be in deep. That's Mark. That, really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's wow, my vocal okay. producer. Wow, really? All right. Him and Craig. Yeah. I was a big fan of D back in the day. I was a good friend of them. Yes. That's that's Marky Mark. That's what I call him. But he's not like anything like the Marky Mark with the muscles and the rap guy. Yeah. Well, we need to play a deep track on the show then. Yes, we should. Yes, totally. Um, he is a god at vocal melodies. And that surprised the hell out of me. And... According to him, he's one of my, I'm one of his best sing, favorite singers to work with because I listen to him. I don't fight with him, you know. Whereas you you would think that someone at my level would be like, no, it's all about me, you know. No, I'm like, no, dude. I, and then, so he would he would do things to where we would I would just record him on the phone. Go remember that melody tomorrow. We'll lock it in, dude. Mm. And he would do it on the thing and go like. And then I'd go home and go, na, 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 Like, fuck, how did he come up with it? Because, dude, that's spooky. Wow. <laughs> then we go in there and lay it, and he'd, he'd just have this smile, like, you know, like, yeah, that's my boy. But it's his work. It's his magic, too. Under it all, 
talked a little about what inspired the album what inspires your personal writing process what gets you what gets you going besides the news uh you know the the whole well just you know the inspiration just comes from a lot of just trying to stay in the race i mean you you have to you have to be ready to to deliver something to stay in the race and um my inspiration just comes from it actually comes from a lot of live shows. Um, and I think when I did this record, uh, I had toured so much in the year that when I it was time to do the record, my voice was already still wide open. Mm-hmm. And um, it was a great feeling to go in there and not be like, oh, I got to warm up for five days. No, the first day I was already nailing shit, you know, or, you know, running through tracks because I had been singing so long. But, I mean, a lot of the inspiration just comes from the fact that you know that um, you're going to be doing this for a while. So every time you do it, why not do the best that you can? Because it's only going to be better for you in the long run. You, you can take shortcuts and go, nah, I'll, I'll put this much work into it. And, and But, you know, you're not being fair to yourself. You're not being fair to the fans. You know, but I think most of all, you're not being fair to yourself. You need to, you know, if you're, if, if you don't like it anymore, get out. So uh, okay. how do you, uh, during the, I know you do a lot of touring with, uh, with d- different projects, but how do you prepare yourself when you're about to go into the studio? Do you do the, 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 the I warm up in that? the car. Do you? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I try to as much as I can. 
and then you'd be surprised when I get in the studio, you know, I'm still sounding like, you know, like, ah, you know, you got that little, you know, there's some stuff left. And then you start laying some, they're like, oh, let's just, let's just keep rolling. Then what's always so funny is that almost towards the end of your session, you're all on fire then. <laughs> and then there's like, hey, man, it's time to go home. Right. Wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> I was just I'm just getting started, you know, yeah. <laughs> Um, so how would you feel, how do you feel personally that your vocal styles change over the years? Well, it's, um, you know, it's, 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 it's remained what it always has been for the years, but it's also expanded to different styles of singing just because over the last few years I got adapted to different styles of metal and, um, you know, I'm, I'm one of the few singers that this is just what I've heard and and I take that with a grain of salt and I pat myself on the back that I've never lost anything it's like you've gotten stronger over the years and that's nice to hear um, but you know I mean I've, I've just I've started mixing in things that I would have never thought of doing back in the 80s and things I think now back then wouldn't have fit if I was doing them then but now they do and so I think that's what's making the Hellstar fan base grow more and more is that it's not just another power metal band with a ah, singer guy, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh yeah, he sounds just like a young Jeff Tate, you know, I mean, constantly through the album. See, like to me, that gets old after a while. I call those the canary singers. And it's all so nice, and it's so high all the time. And let me show you how I was operatically trained. Right. And, yeah, and yeah, you know, whatever. Do you have some other character in there? Do you have some depth? Do you have some? Ooh, do you have some? Ah, do you have some? You know what I'm saying? Like, there's there's other dimensions of singing that can make a great metal band still be melodic, still be very musical, and still be killer. But that got old to me. And I think that's why I started turning into the Swedish death metal bands and the really good black metal bands. is because musically they were killer. The singers, they're not singers, but they had good melodies and it had a different dimension in it. The tone is so... I love Danny Filth. I love the old Cradle of Filth stuff. It stole me like that. And I was like, wow, that's... I like that. And so I became a fan of that. So some people hate me for it. They're like, dude, you, should, you just need to sing like Bruce and Jeff for the rest of your life. I'm like, come on, that's boring, you know? That stuff is like, that's another whole dimension, you know? So let's, let's talk about the band. Do you think, the band's been around for over 30 years now. Do you think the band would ever come this far in your career? No, I never would have thought it would have came this far. I, you know, I... Uh, Luckily, I think that at the time when we reunited, Larry and Rob and them had been out of my lives for 15 years. And they were on their own listening to heavier shit. Mm -hmm. So when we started writing The King of Hell, that was a, that was a sign that people should have known. Uh-oh, this government's going bad. Because <laughs> we gave them signs. We're getting heavier, we're getting darker. I was already incorporating the Danny Phil stuff, right. even on the Destiny's End stuff. So, you know, expect... Well, it, I hate to say the word, expect the worst for those people that don't like that. But expect, you know, we're not going to be all about... La, 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 la. You know, no, it's going to have that in there. 
but it's going to also have some other elements. Then by the time Glory came out, we were already going to the top, you know, like, this is it, you know. So we reached our plateau of how heavy, how dark we're going to, how fast we're going to be. We don't need to go any further. That's why Wickedness brought back the old Hellstar elements mixed with that. So it'll bring back those old fans. They're like, oh, now this is the Hellstar I love. It's heavy, but I like it now. So we had to find ourselves and go, okay, let's do this. But, you know, no, in a million years, we would have never thought that we would have ever evolved to what we are now. I mean, it, it happened. Now, the album to me feels, it feels like a great combination of new and old. Exactly. And that was our goal. Because we knew that with Glory. We knew that, wow, man. And we're talking about losing some big people in the industry. Like, you know, or not industry, or promoters, or certain people that are important in the old school metal scene. Mm-hmm. And we're like, oh, okay, well. So when we did this new record, we thought, well, we know we're capable of still writing that stuff. But we're not going to go back and write a complete Nosferatu again. That's just unnecessary. Because then all of a sudden you'd have the press go, oh, it's a great album, but it sounds like something they've already done. Then you have that. Right, yeah. There's a, and, and where's that fan going to be? Oh, he'll be the first one to go, it's a good album, but it sounds just like Burning Star. Oh, so now you're not happy again. So what difference does it make, you know? You can't, like my dad always said, you can only please some of the people some of the time. You can't please all the people all the time. Exactly. And you guys did go back at one point um, a few years ago and did Sins of the Past, which was reworked, re-recorded versions of older tracks. And then what we were doing was setting, again, setting the stepping stone of how we were playing the old songs now, which are much heavier. And it was, if you listen to Burning Star on Sins of the Past, right. and you listen to Burning Star on the Burning Star album, it's like, is that the Frank Sinatra version? <laughs> and this is the Hellstar version that I'm listening to now. You know what I mean? So it, it was already a, we had evolved to becoming a heavier, mm-hmm. fat, basically, we're like one of those weird bands that found ourselves 20 years later. And go, this is what we should have sounded like then. And maybe we would be on that boat with the rest of the big giants. Instead, we were doing the Beatles' White Album. You know, yeah, I, I listen to Burning Star, now, the original version, now. And sometimes I just I cringe. Like, what the? That sounds like the it. monkeys. <laughs> I love the monkeys. <laughs> I think a lot of it has to do with the the way stuff was recorded back then. Yeah, that, that's that, you see, that's what I'm saying. You can't you can't control that destiny, right? But now we're who we are. We know what we want, and you listen to the Burning Star songs we do now. You go, they fit right in with fucking this wicked nest because we knew, now we know what we're doing. We're like, okay, let's you know, it's it's kind of a it's a learning process. I mean, everything's an experience in your life. Exactly. So, while well, we've mentioned Burning Star like 18 times recently, let's go ahead and play the, the track from The Sins of the Past and maybe uh, something off one of your couple other albums. Go ahead and pick some some, some stuff out. Oh, let's pick out... Um, you know what? I may as well pick out songs we're doing on the tour. Let's pick out uh, uh, Run With The Pack. And then let's pick out... Um, Let's see, Evil Rain. Definitely got to do The King is Dead. Oh, yeah. Uh, 
Had to baptize the blood. <laughs> baptized in blood, the king is hell. Uh, pandemonium. And everything you can play off the new album. <laughs> cool. Well, let's get into some tracks now, and we will actually um, intersperse some other music into the episode, and we'll be right back. Oh, yeah. 
Welcome back to a brand new episode of MSRCast. I am one of your hosts. I am Carrie G. Otherwise, used to be known as Evil C. Not anymore. Evil grew up. <laughs> um, so once you like, once an album comes out, do you guys actually seek out and, and look at the reviews and do they matter to you? Yeah, I know. Because you know what? It doesn't matter. I mean, the, the good reviews are always going to make you feel good. But you'd be surprised how many of them are just friends or the bad reviews could just be some guy that just didn't get laid by his wife that night before and uh, or it's it's a guy that's not even in that style of music I mean right. no, really you know it's like especially if it's a guy that's not even a musician himself or even played an instrument it's, and you can always tell those kind that like they're just ready to slam you for everything you've done in your life and then you're you know just an arrogant guy behind a keyboard, you know, ah, this band sucks, I never liked them anyways, and they're like, do you, do you even know this band? No, I was just giving the review, you know, like, did you listen to the album? No, I listened to, like, skips and parts of it. it it's, you know, yeah. so you, you really can't take, you take that with a grain of salt. You know, I mean, you have to, uh, like I said, you go back to that theory. You can please some of the people some of the time can't please all the people all the time and people get behind the internet the big bad internet they yeah exactly they they say shit they would never say to your face yeah, well yeah of course you know and then they're the ones asking to be on the guest list at your show <laughs> hey man yeah your album's great right? uh, yeah then but you know and the thing is is that you know so far the the reviews the interviews i've been doing with the big giant magazines in europe everything has like one guy said if i had four thumbs it'd be four thumbs up and that makes you feel good. Okay, because that's like, they don't like anybody. You know what I mean? Well, they do, but they're, it's hard to please the big wigs. And, you know, like when you're talking about Sweden Rock and Rock Hard Germany and Art Shock Holland, you know, that's like, that's like being in goddamn, you know, the Houston Chronicle or something, you know? Yeah, it's right. hard to please those people. So when you start hearing those kind of things, you know you're on the right track. So whatever other numb nuts is going to be out there and be like, yeah, I hate this album and, you know, my preference is to hear the new corn. You know, well, you, this is not your style of shit. So what does it matter to me what you don't like and what you, you know, I could care less, you know? It's not going to it's not gonna make me go kill myself and drive off a bridge. Right. <laughs> so let's get into a little bit of your past. What first got you into music and what first got you into metal? Well, what first got me into music was the Beatles. And then uh, seeing my first concert, the Monkees, when I was one. Anyways, but... Uh, me too. <laughs> yeah, you're like, yeah, right, right? Me too. <laughs> yeah, seeing Jimi Hendrix, you know, yeah. But uh, metal, what got me into metal was Alice Cooper. My first icon of all times uh, when I was in junior high school. And because that was a dark guy. You know, I mean, that that's actually when metal started, to be honest. To me, in my opinion, it did. Though it's considered hard rock now. But you have a guy coming out there with a snake and all that shit, you know. I mean, hanging himself. and It was a spectacle. It was a show. It was a show, right. And then Black Sabbath, you know. I mean, yeah, they took it to another level. Yeah, and then uh, Blue Horse to Cult and UFO. Then Judas Priest came to America. I mean, it was all over. So, I mean, that's what got me into metal was that style of singing. And so when I decided I want to, you know, as a fan, it all starts as a fantasy. 
You know, you're always a kid. We're all kids. And then we become adults. But we're all kids and we all dream. We all think, wow, oh, man, this is what I want. I want to be a fireman. I want to be a policeman. Well, I really wanted to be an actor. I was a big James Bond, Clint Eastwood fan, which is pretty obvious to a lot of people out there that know me personally. But acting was way out of my league because I was a fat, ugly kid. So that was probably never going to happen. But singing was a different thing. I had a voice. So when Alice Cooper came around, it combined the acting and the singing. I'm like, ah, oh, maybe I could be like that guy. Yeah. And then, his, you know, Alice Cooper never had a spectacular voice. He's got an identical voice, but he mm -hmm. was never a great singer. But he did what he did. In the, and I would never want to hear anybody else do an Alice Cooper but Alice Cooper. Right? But bands like Judas Priest and all that start coming out. And you're like, wow. You know, school's out. Yeah, what if he sang it like that? <laughs> then I was like... Okay, and then Klaus Maney, he's a woman, she's a man. And that German accent, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay, now I want to sing. And that's what made me become who I am. It's, it's the early British metal invasion and the German invasion. And uh, I first joined my first garage band, and I duplicated these guys to the book just because I'm a very good mimic guy, and I, that's because I wanted to be an actor. So if I was in school with you, I'd be like, Hey, Carrie, you made fun of my mule. My mule doesn't like being laughed at. Now, I know you're going to apologize. Because <laughs> I would quote stuff from the movies that I was raised on. So when I started singing, I was able to duplicate these guys without even thinking that I was actually singing. I was just doing it more as a imitator. And so that's when this one guy goes, Dude, you should sing because you sound just like the guy. I'm like, oh, maybe I should. And that's how it started. And how do you, now, how do you personally discover new bands and new music? Well, I mean, most of it is through, you know, when you're on tour a lot, too. and Or, you know, you, you kind of watch what's happening on the internet and go, okay, well, what what makes these guys a great sensation, you know? And you go back, and you, and for the most part, again, I listen to a lot of it and say, yeah, these these are these guys are cool. And then I'll be like, I don't even see what the great sensation is this. You know, I mean, I'm just, you know, I'm only human. And when, especially when you're in the music business, you listen to so much stuff that, you know, not everything's going to take you by the boo-boo. You know, I mean, only certain things take you by the boo-boo. Right. you're like, wow, that's cool. Who is that? You know, and you're like, oh, that's so-and-so. And you're like, really? Like, oh, this is their first album. Yeah, they're getting a lot of promotion. You're like, wow, I like these guys, you know? And you're truthful to your heart, and that's the main thing, is, you you know, you, you can never like a lot of things either, you know? I mean, and unfortunately, I don't like a lot of things, and that's just because I've heard it all, just like anybody else in the world. Can you imagine giving your CD to Bruce Dickinson? <laughs> I'll go to plane to fly, thank you. It goes out the fucking window. You know? Like, yeah, Maybe, okay. yeah. Yeah, I got other things on my mind. But it's not that he's being a dick. He's just like, hey, you know, I've, I've heard it all, man. You know, I mean, come on. You know, and look who I am. You know, I mean, and that's the, that's the most annoying thing. Where I'm like, yeah, check this out. I know you're going to love it. And like, well, as much as you stood in my face tonight and made sure I got this, I hope I like it because I'm going to be really pissed off if I don't. And it's not going to take any room in my goddamn luggage. I can tell you that right now. Right. <laughs> and if it did, then it's going home with me. 
and I'm going to play it in my car. I'm going to give it to my secretary, and I'm going to go, hey, guys, check these guys out. They're cool. But if it sucks, you're going to be the person you wish you never gave that to because you fucked with my day. <laughs> is there is there anybody uh, recently that you've got into that... Um Maybe like, like a new band? Yeah. Not really, because I, you know, I mean, like I said, I'm always busy and touring so much that um, I hear certain things here and there. I mean, what are the band? And they're not even new anymore. They're actually already five, seven years old, I think. But to me, they're new because I, it took me by storm when I first heard them. Was Three Inches of Blood, and I, I, I still consider that pretty new. Yeah, we're actually going to have them on the show pretty soon. Yeah, when they're when when you're a band that's only five years old, seven years old, you're still new, right? But when they, I I heard them when they first came out. Yep. And I was like, wow, that I like. You know, yeah, I love these guys. I love those kids. I call them kids. You know, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, what do you expect? You know, but those kids are on the right track. You know, yeah, I love those kids. You know, well now they're probably what in their thirties when they started out. They were in their yeah, exactly. That was one band that took me by storm, though. Yeah, yeah, totally. So let's let's segue into that. Let's uh let's just be your chance to program the show. Let's pick out something new. Maybe we could play Some three, three inches, inches of blood. Of blood. Yes, do that. And then maybe a couple of older tracks that really influenced you. Restless, restless and wild. Except restless oh, yeah. and wild is the most ultimate metal record ever. And let's do something for Ronnie, man. Let's do. After all, Dehumanizer, totally underrated record, best album with Dio, actually. I, I think it was better than Heaven and Hell and Mob Rules, to be honest. I really do. Very underrated, yeah. Yeah, it was a killer album. And then we'll go back and do, um, how about Sinner from Judas Priest? <laughs> Always loving Yeah, loving and then we'll do... Uh, by Scorpions. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. We'll do, we'll burn the sky. <laughs> and Maiden, let's go back to uh, Children of the Damned. Oh, yeah. We'll be right back. Let's get into these tracks from James's Influences, and we'll be back to MSR Cast. Thank you.
Um, all right, we are back to MSR Cast. We still are uh, knee deep into our interview with James Rivera from the Mighty Hillstar, local Houston metal stalwarts. I love that word. Yeah, metal um, stalwarts. So, what is your opinion on the current state of the music scene, and really how easy it is for people to access? Not just illegally getting music, but like stuff like Spotify and those type of places. Well, I mean, I think that it, it's a, it's a problem sometimes, but I really think that your real fans will they'll refrain themselves from doing a lot of that because your real fans are going to want the real product, and they know. They're not stupid anymore. Everybody's educated on what's happening through the internet world. And I think they know that um, they're only hurting the band. And a lot of these people don't want to do that anymore to the band. It's just the ignorant people that are out there somewhere trying to make a buck, you know, a buck or two with their illegal bullshit. I mean, God, you can order something on the internet now and your credit card's out there and you got some people in Cambodia fucking charging shit, you know. But I think for the most part that um, I think spreading your music to the internet is a good thing. And you're, you're, like I said, your real fans, are, they're going to want the product. They're going to want a physical thing, the CD with the cover, the lyrics. Yeah, yeah. And you know, and if there are people out there just trying to steal from you, whatever. What, what can you, again, the wickedness, what can you do? You can lose sleep over it. You can send lawyers after these, yeah, for what? You know, I mean, come on, you know, it's, but, you know, if there's people out there that just want to go ahead and screw the bands over, you've got to have no life, and you're just jealous because you're not in this system, you know? To me, it's like, find something to do with your life, you know? Don't go try to illegally download our shit and pass it around to somebody because you never made it in the music business. You might not even be in the music business at all. You may just be a dirty crook. And there's plenty of you out there. I know that. <laughs> Hell, I mean, sometimes I don't even, I'm afraid to order anything online anymore. You know, like I order a pair of shoes. Yeah, well, exactly where are you at? Where are you in California? Where in California? Oh, I used to live in Cerritos, and I want to know right now. Because <laughs> if you fuck me over, I'm coming over there next time I'm <laughs> touring California. Where's my goddamn shoes? You know? <laughs> they, you know, besides, you know, illegal downloading, they have like, you know, Spotify where you can pull up your whole career, your, all the albums. And from what I've been reading recently is the bands, they get like pennies. It, it, it's fucking pittance. We never get any royalties, really. You, you, you never actually really get any royalties because their label's always trying to recoup. They're doing their job. They're owed money. Right. And nobody's paying them. You get you start trusting in people with distributors. The next thing you know, here goes this guy that was in an Eastern Europe country that sold 5,000 records. Where is he now? We're waiting on the, you know, the, and then the label's like, and you're yelling at the label, and the label's going, we haven't gotten the money from the guy, you know. It, it's It's... It's a sick world in this business, you know, and I can't say that, you know, I wish I would have chose something else in my life. Now I, it's like that old saying, now, if I only knew what I know now, I knew what I knew then, you know, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, it, it's, it's not, a, it's not, a, there's no promises in this business. I mean, you may as well be a drug dealer, to be honest. You don't know when you're going to get busted. So enjoy it while you can. You know what? You might be at the club sporting everything. Come on, carry drinks are on me, buddy. You know, you're living it up. And then one day, 
<laughs> Helicopters, it's all over, right? You know, it's the same thing with the music business. It just, you never know what's going to happen. Until, I mean, like all the big guys, how they got there, I have no idea. I always have this thought in the back of my head that I bet you those big guys still live with some major fears in the back of their head because of why they got there, how they're remaining to be there. See, we don't know really what's going on behind those closed doors. Yeah, that's true. For all we know, they may have people with fucking mafioso guys going, oh yeah, where you going, Tom? I, I just want to go to Walmart. Okay, we're just watching you very close. You know, we got you, we, you owe us a lot of money. <laughs> you know, you just never know. That's a little far-fetched. I've just watched too many stupid movies. <laughs> but you never know. And it, maybe their lives are even more uncomfortable than you think. I mean, there's so many huge metal bands that, yeah. that are so into the pop culture zeitgeist that you, you just wonder how they really got there. Exactly. You know, I mean, so who knows how comfortable their lives really are aside of that. Yeah. Why do they keep touring so much? You have enough money. That's always been my question. Well, here's the problem. You know... I'm kind of hungry, and I want a little bit more food. I think you guys need to go out a little more. But man, we've toured so we made you five million. We made you fifty million. It's not enough, you know. Yeah, I always think about that sometimes, dude. And I watch all these criminal shows, you know, and I, I, I my mind wanders, and I'm like, oh, maybe thank God we never made it. <laughs> so. Besides this show, besides MSR Cast, I also host a, a podcast called Metal Geeks, and we've talked about movies just recently. Um, what besides music? What do you really geek out on? Uh, old movies. Yes, I love like Clint Eastwood movies and spaghetti westerns. You know, I saw when I was in LA last year. I was on a tour. This is besides the fact um, a tour of Warner Brothers with my family. My cousin works there, and we're driving around in the little go kart, and she's like, "Oh yeah." Right up here is where Clint Eastwood has his, you know, his production company. Oh. And we fucking, she stopped. She's like, oh, look, there he is. He was like, his car was right there. And he was getting something out of the backseat of his car. And she stops to sing. And she's like, hey, Clint. She's like, oh, this is my cousin, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, we're, it was just, and he said hello to me. I was like, it was like the most fucking amazing thing. And he looks so old, though. And he's not oh, that old. I he's know, only in the 80s, but he looks really old, but. Continue. I just had a yeah. I love it. He's one of my favorites. Yeah. Spaghetti westerns is like a really. I just I saw one the other day with Lee Van Cliff called Sabata. <laughs> they use the same characters. Same. Oh, yeah. Inu Maricone writes the same music and all that stuff. It's fucking amazing, man. <laughs> so, uh, as going back to the music as, as a fan, what do you? What one band do you really geek out on? Ah, uh, as far as like inspiration and everything. Does it have to be metal? Does not have to be metal. The Beatles. Yeah. Yeah. Easy said. As I'm wearing Easily a Beatles t-shirt. Easily said. Yeah. He's a real no whim. Talk about some harmonic minor spooky melodies that they didn't even know what they were doing. They were just on drugs. Yeah. And for us to do stuff like that, we got to really think. <laughs> You know, I listen to He's a World. That's one of my favorite songs by them all my life. And I listen to that melody over and over again. And it's so haunting that they came up with that just 
fucking doing acid and do, how co- if I did that, you'd have, you wouldn't have this wickedness. You'd be like, ooh, the new Hellstar record sounds like Jim Morrison. That's all right. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, it's just, I, I don't know how they sing so clean. It's magical. It's so fucking, but the Beatles is one of my biggest, especially for me as a vocalist, the Beatles is number one always, always will be. And, and it's one of those bands that's so fucking universal that yeah. everybody loves them. Yeah. And if you don't love them, you're just fucking There's young it. kids that love the Beatles now. Yeah. There's Beatle craze going on with young kids. It's just... It's, it's, and their first album came out like 50 years ago. Yeah. God, you know, yeah. Way before I was... Yeah, me too. <laughs> so, how hard is it once you've been pigeonholed to a certain genre to prove yourself and really push the boundaries of what you can do as a band? Uh, you know, it is pretty hard because, especially when we were classified as just power metal. Uh, I did an interview the other day and now the guy says, you're classified as thrash metal. How do you feel about that? And I go, well... That's not necessarily true either, but I'd rather be in that box than power metal because a thrash metal box is a little bit bigger than a power metal box. Do you think you guys have created your own subgenre, like well, power well, thrash? Basically, one guy said it perfectly. It's called Hellstar Metal, and that's cool. That's like you got your own style. It's called Hellstar. So when new bands come out, they go, "What do you go? What do you guys? Are you power metal? Are you, are you thrash metal? No, we're Hellstar Metal." What is that supposed to mean? Well, it's power and thrash put together. And we perfected that. And we started it a long time ago. And now we've actually really perfected it on this album. So we're probably going to have another genre come out of the industry going, what do you guys do? I mean, we're all about Hellstar Metal now, man. You know? Yeah. That would be cool. You know what I'm saying? I think we deserve that brand. It's got to feel great for you guys because it's not... There's not a lot of bands from Houston that have really gotten really huge in the metal scene. Like, there's just a handful. Right. And you guys are definitely one of them. Well, yeah, we put Houston on the map. I mean, we were the first band to internationally break waves. You got King's X, and they're not even originally from here. They're from uh, St. Louis or wherever they're from. And then, and then you had the Galactic Cowboys, which is not really metal. It's kind of the stuff that was going on in the 90s, yep. you know? They're great musicians, great guys, don't get me wrong, but, you know, a real metal thing, you know what I mean? Uh, but, you know, yeah, we were the first band that put Houston on the map for heavy metal, and we're proud of that. We hold the flag high, you know? When you go to, like, Europe and, and countries, you know, around the world, do they do they look at the band and go, what is it like in Houston? What, what yeah. do you know more about it? Well, you know, and they, they do. And some of my European fans and friends have uh, that are, like, close family friends have come to stay with me in Houston. And I've, for, like, a week, and they come to see some Hellstar shows, and I take them everywhere, and they're like, wow. So it blows them away. They're like, it's, it's not like I thought. Like, <laughs> oh, covered wagons and <laughs> shit? You guys have played a lot of festival shows, big large shows, and a lot of, you know, intimate, smaller shows. Which one do you think fits the band, and which one do you prefer? Oh, that's a hard question, because all the fest- big festivals we've ever done, they all treat you very well. Um, one of my favorites, though... Uh, See, and I hate to say that because then the rest will be like, oh, he'll never play here again. No, I love all the festivals. But Alcatraz in Belgium has always treated us like gold. I mean, beyond gold. 
they just have a very unique way of uh, taking care of the bands. Mm-hmm. And the one, the funny thing about the promoter, his name is Philippe. You know, Philippe, he's Belgian Dutch guy. He he's very. Uh, he likes to know that everything's good. So when you see him and he's like, "Is the hotel good?" Oh yeah, it's great. I, I like to hear that. You know, he likes to hear that you're happy. And if it's not good, then he's gonna make it good. Hmm. Whoa, whoa, whoa! What's wrong? Ah, the toilet's a little too high, and I'm pissing on the floor. We got you room with a short toilet, James. <laughs> you know, that's Philippe and the whole crowd of Alcatraz. They really go out of their way to make sure you're comfortable. Well, because they all love you. You know, they get busy in their schedules. They have a million bands to deal with. But when they give you that undivided attention like that, to make sure you're completely happy to the toilet, to, that's that's amazing, you know. But um, Keep It True is a great festival. Uh, bang Your Head. I've always loved Bang Your Head because it's Vakken. I love it. But at the same time, I can live without it. A little overwhelming? Too much going on. Yeah. It's like, you know, oh, yeah, this band's playing. Oh, I got to run over here now. Dude, by the time you've done watching every band in fucking Bakken, you've lost 30 pounds from walking fucking 20 miles. <laughs> now, you guys have played like the 70,000 tons of metal. I love that, too. Yes, that, uh, yeah. No, that's an, see, now there's another great festival, and Andy's a great guy. You know, and he takes care of us very well, Andy Pillar and... He does his best to make sure everybody's happy and all that. They make you know they give you nice cabins and you know I mean yeah it's it's it, they're all really good. They all they they just know how to treat bands. That's one thing we don't understand. What what is it about the American promoters? Don't you get it? And we we can compare it. It's like night and day. Yeah, t- definitely. I've heard about seventy thousand tons. It's you know it's. There's like no backstage. It's just you know you're interacting with fans and you're you're friendly with them. So if you're not a sociable person in a band, then don't go on seventy thousand times because <laughs> you know what you're going to be surrounded by people constantly. And if you don't like that, then get the fuck off the boat. We can throw you off right now, asshole. <laughs> That's what I always think. Like yeah, <laughs> I, I'm actually uh, it's on my it's on my. Uh, Here's plane. a canoe. Go. Here's a raft. Get the fuck off the boat. You know. Well, I don't want to talk to the fans, you know, one of those kind right. of guys, yeah. Yeah, it's in my plans to go next year, man. It's just, I can't deny not going. So, um, speaking of that, to that level, how does metal become as popular in the States as it is in, like, some of the European countries? How does metal compare? How does it become as popular in the States? How does it become as popular, or how will it become? How Well, how can it? When the corporate fucking world stops running our shit and let people listen to what they really want to listen to instead of fucking driving it in their head and go, who's this new guy? Oh, 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 on the Today Show, that little guy sounds like Steve Perry, a little black kid. They say, yeah, he's, he's a great singer and all, whatever his name is. But I'm like, where do these people come from? You know, it's like... Yeah, and everybody's all about that, and some new pop star, yeah. and whatever. Yeah, when the when the government starts shoving the shit down their fucking throats. What are the what are the plans for the band this year? Oh, the plans. Well, everything we're doing is um, dedicated shows to you know 
playing a lot of new songs and mixing in the 30 year anniversary of Burning Star. So we're doing an extended show every night where we're doing a full hour of playing songs from Wicked Nest, uh, songs from you know all the other albums, and then for the encore, we're coming back and we're doing a special 30 year salute to Burning Star. Wow. Yeah, so That's it's going to be as bad. Yeah, so that now it's time to bring out the old guys. They were like, and we're butt hurt and glory. Oh, they still love us. You know what? We always love you guys, man. Just love us for who we are. That's just kind of like you can't expect us to write the same album that we did 30 years ago, and then, you know, accept it. If you're a real Hellstar fan, you really love us. You're going to be like. Oh my God, they sound better than ever. Instead of going, eh, it doesn't sound like it used to. You know, I mean, come on. That's just being ignorant, you know? Come on, you know. Do you look the same like you did 30 years ago? I mean, can I go to you and go, yeah, yeah I remember when I signed your album. You look ugly as hell now. <laughs> How would you feel about that, right? Right. You, yeah. you would never say that to a fan that just been following you around forever. What if they got as fat as your, you know, this whole goddamn restaurant? Start my album. Oh, I remember you in 1988, you know? I'm still following you around. Oh, I love you guys. You wouldn't go, man, you got fat and ugly. Nope. You know what I mean? You'd be like, oh, fucking hey, dude, come here. It's good to see you. How's your health? Are you doing okay? Oh, I'm all right, man. Oh, dude, we'd love, yeah, you want a picture? See, it's the same thing. You don't sit there and go, you change. You, you, you know, I'm like, come on, dude. I really hurt my feelings with certain people in the industry and I gotta say that publicly I ain't gonna say who but they know who and I thought it was kinda like really? and go ahead and put out a review and go don't buy their records they've changed they're just horrible now that sucks especially when you're way up there in the industry for the old school metal fans that yeah. sucks yeah so um do you do you feel that Hellstar is a band that could really tour with anybody? yes that's the that's the beauty part about us now. You put us on tour with Creator, be like peas and carrots, like Tom, what's his name? Uh, Hor- uh, Forrest, Mama, I heard it's going to be a tour. It's going to be Creator and Hellstar. It's like peas and carrots. <laughs> I got to go see it. Mama, I heard there's a tour. It's going to be Iron Maiden and Hellstar. I mean, like peas and carrots. I got to go, you know? How many bands can do that? Yeah. Mama, they're going to be Demi Borger and Hellstar. It's going to be like peas and carrots. I got to go. See? So why be stuck in... You know what, dude? We should do the next Taco Bell commercial. Think outside the bun. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So speaking of uh, touring, um, let's let's talk a little bit about your what's going on with your bass players. Um, so you're going to have a different guy here in America that you have right. compared to Europe. Let's talk a little bit about that. Well, we decided that when uh, Jerry had to be retired for good because of health reasons mm-hmm. which that's really what it comes down to he was never fired we just knew that he had to go and he refused it on his own because he loves the band a lot he wants to be there but his health issues were so incredibly bad that he cost us more uh, problems than we needed financially and everything else and his wife is in I mean that, that lady's on her deathbed half and off and on and bless her heart because she's got uh, you know dialysis all the time and she needs a kidney transplant I mean all these things they matter to us as a human being 
So we love Jerry Abarca. He'll always be a part. I mean, we didn't want to do it, but the only way to, to make him understand that he had to go was to just stop calling him, and we just kept moving because he was never involved in the band. To this day, he probably doesn't even know he's fired. To be not fired, but let go of. Right. He's still going. I think we have. You know, I don't know, because he's always way out in left field. But he's got a lot of issues going on. So instead of replacing him, we said, "Well, he's not replaceable." We decided to get bass players that were going to be um, compatible to his playing abilities, and that it'd be work for hire, and. Me and Larry and Rob and Mikey are Hellstar now. That's it. So we have, we call him the Sport, which is Garrick from here in Houston. They'll do everything in America, maybe South America, and Matei will do everything in Europe and Japan. And Matei has been my longtime bass player, compadre from Sabbath Judas Sabbath Slovenian chapter. So, you know, this way we feel like. They'll get paid equally and all that. Well, no, we're not going to treat them like shit. You're going to be treated like an equal member. We just kind of want... We just feel at this point... We don't know how long this is going to go on, but we are the nucleus now. Why induct another member full-time? Now, now um, going back to the album, who played bass on the album? Matei. Okay. Yeah. And he's... By listening to that, you know he's a badass motherfucker. <laughs> Here's a kid that came in when Jerry got sick and learned the whole set list in one day. Wow. And on the road with Larry and Rob in the band for the next gig, and they're in the back, and I can and I was sitting there, and we had our driver in there. And okay, so baptize. Yeah. And then we got to the gig, and he's like, I think I'm ready. I hope. Please just... And we're like, dude, no, no, no. Don't worry about it, man. It's better than having no bass player. We're not... He went through the whole show. By the end of the show, he was in the front. I know this. <laughs> I got it. We were like, wow. <laughs> That's incredible. Because it's not the easiest shit in the world to play. Yeah. So Larry and Rob were just like, Matei is God. You know? And then and uh, Garrick, the new kid. I had my first rehearsal with him last night. I was just like, and he's just kind of like, like he's thinking about something else. Like, oh, did I pay my bills? Oh, I got to study for that, you know. And just going through the shit, like, these kids, what's going? Is it in the water or what? Right. <laughs> Now, you mentioned, uh, you know, you're going to be playing, like, the first part of your sets will be older songs, and then you're going to do the, the tribute to... How, with so many albums in your career, how do you decide what songs you're going to play? Oh, it's really hard. Well, we pick the, the main songs. I guess if it was the 80s, we know what songs would be the hits. And so we have to imagine that. So when you think about Burning Star, you're like, okay, Burning Star, run with the pack. Remnants of War, Evil Rain, mm, maybe Angel of Death, <laughs> Distant Thunder, King is Dead, for sure. Yeah. Baptized uh, Nosferatu, Baptized in Blood, for sure, and maybe uh, To Sleep for Chance or Scream. <laughs> uh, Multiples of Black, the Black Sheep of the album, Good Day to Die, which always wins the people over. And then you think about. 
King of Hell. All right, King of Hell, and maybe Tormentor or Plague of Man. Glory of Chaos, definitely Pandemonium, and maybe uh, Monarch of Bloodshed, blah, blah, blah. You know, And then the new album, we want to do five off that. So that's how you separate it. And then we're doing the encore, No Burning Star, because we don't need to do that, because it's all going to come out in the encore. <laughs> so that's how we picked the set list.
so besides Hellstar, what else is going on with you this year? What what other kind of uh, performances are you gonna be Nothing, doing? to be honest. Yeah, this is just it? Savage, you to Savage shows. Okay. Yeah, because I um I killed myself last year on tour. Um, you know, I went out with the Vicious Rumors tour because their singer couldn't make it, which I have a connection with them anyways. Right. And that was a long seven weeks tour. Then I went back to Europe and did more Sabbath Judas Sabbath shows. And then I came home and then I went back and did more Sabbath Judas Sabbath shows. And, and and by the time I came home, it was time to go in the studio with Hellstar. And uh, I think I physically really blew some fuses from touring so much and and everything you do on the road, it um it comes along with it. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I, you know, I have my procedures of how I do things. And unfortunately, I'm one of those kind of guys that when, before I go on stage, I like to have my one or two beers or it's either a nice glass of wine and champagne, maybe a shot of Jaeger. And it loosens me up. I go out, do my thing. After the show, friends and fans are buying you more drinks, and then the next thing you know, you wake up the next day, and you're like, oh, I feel like somebody beat me up, but I got a show tonight. And then you continue, and you continue, and it's the same routine. So by the time I came home in January, when I went to the dentist just to do my checkup, they didn't even want to do it because they said, you're, they did my blood pressure because they have to do that. Yeah three times and my dad well she's a really cool chick she goes man I don't know if I should even work on you I go what's wrong she goes dude your blood pressure is like 185 over 145 wow she goes you you said you don't do any of that shit anymore I go no I don't do any blow anymore she goes yeah it's pretty high dude you better go see a doctor so I went and sure enough the doctor said yep you got high blood pressure from drinking too much. And so, you know, all that stuff adds in. So, because of that, now I'm just going to concentrate on Hellstar and doing Weekend Warrior Savage Judas Savage shows for this year. And I'm doing better health-wise. Great. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm finally, like, you know, going, yeah, I feel better. And I'm exercising more again. And, you know, yeah, I'm on medication now and all that stuff. But, you know, that all becomes part of just getting older, too. Yeah. But when you take that for, you know, when you're drinking a bottle of Jaeger a night, <laughs> you know, that's, yeah, that's definitely got to raise your blood pressure. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. Well, not the whole bottle. I mean, I would share it with people, yeah. but I made sure I got at least, at least three quarters of that by my, no. Actually, to be honest, like, I would always have it on my rider. And it, I think that every night I probably drank a, at least a quarter bottle of Jaeger by the time the night was over. And that's pretty bad. That's a lot, you know? And then. You, you you don't realize what you're doing. Then you, you you're the party's over, and then you go get a bunch of Turkish dooners, and you eat that, go to bed. <laughs> All that cholesterol, yeah, you know, and the heart attack's waiting to happen here, you know. <laughs> yeah, health. I mean, continue on. You gotta you gotta stay healthy. I mean. Yeah, and you know, and to sing properly every night, you know. So you mentioned we've. I don't know if we've uh, you've mentioned Sabbath Judas Sabbath a few times. Let's let people who might not know what that is explain a little bit about that. Well, that's my ultimate tribute to Black Sabbath and Judas Priest, the Dio years only. Um, it started way back uh, when I was doing several tribute bands, which one of them was called Children of the Grave, tribute to Black Sabbath, and I had the Metal Gods, yep. tribute to Black you know, Judas Priest. And then when I started getting hired for all these bands, it became too much, so I decided to combine 
the two tributes into one, and I, and I came up with the clever thing of Sabbath, Judas Sabbath, and and so it became, which is a very unique tribute because it's Judas Priest and Black Sabbath in one. But it's the Dio years, you know, and the good, so the good it, years, the good years. You know, <laughs> well, when they were metal, you know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it fits my voice style. Let's put it that, way, you know. But um, that has grown into nine chapters now, six in America and three in Europe, and I tour with that constantly now, and it's growing, and I'm becoming more popular through that sometimes. And so it, it's like it, one hand washes the other. The guy from Hellstar. Oh, the guy from Sabbath Judah Sabbath. Mm. Because it, when you enter certain territories that are not familiar with Hellstar, oh, it's the dude that did the Black Sabbath Judas Priest stuff. I want to hear his original band now. Or it's people that are like, we love Hellstar. I can imagine what he's going to sound like doing Judas Priest and Black Sabbath. So yeah. it, you see what I'm saying? It works hand in hand. And I had a clever way of thinking about that businessly. Like, yeah, this is going to be the ultimate thing for me. So now it's called the J James Rivera's Sabbath, Judas Sabbath. It's incorporated. It's the big business for me now. Las Vegas loves it. You know, Holland loves it. You know, and now Greece loves it. You know, and it, it's like it's growing and growing. But at the same time, I'm still focused more on promoting Hellstar. If it takes me going to some weird little saloon in Utah... Because they don't know who Hellstar is. But the minute the show is done, well, goddamn, boy, what the, what the, where the hell you come from? Yeah, uh, Houston, Texas. What, they told me you got an original band called what? Is it called Bellstar? No, Hellstar. Man, I gotta listen to that shit because you sound like what? Well, here you go. So next time Hellstar comes in town, you're gonna be here, right? Hell yeah, I'm gonna bring 20 more of my friends. That's how it works. And at one point in your career, you actually did a career retrospective shows, which were fucking great. Uh, you know, you pulled out songs from all the bands you've ever been in. Is that still something in the future? Yes, it still works. It's called James Rivera's Metal Asylum. <laughs> I still do that, too. Well, we do Destiny's End, Flotsam and Jetsam, Seven Witches, and, you know, yeah, and it goes down the line. So we do that show on a, as a specialty thing, too, as well, because I have been in a lot of bands. Um, you know, I, uh, I, like, I claim myself as the James Bond of metal, like, Oh, our singer quit, or our singer can't do it. Who do we get? Get James Rivera. I'm the James Bond of metal. There's not a mission he cannot complete. Well, at least to this point now. I mean, there may be one day when I'll be like, uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> but, I mean, Flotsam and Jetsam was the first big one. That Who, who are we going to get? And the label said, you got to get James. He just got off tour from Hellstar, so Craig called... You talking about that guy with the big curly hair? I don't know, man. Sure enough, dude, Eric K.K. himself came to rehearsal, and he was like, is this guy really the devil? He goes, you know what, man? You don't sound exactly like me, but you pretty much nailed a lot of shit. And I, I was like, that was one of my best tours. I got to say, I was privileged <laughs> to be one of those shows here. Yeah. In it, was, it was great. Thank you. Everybody said, you are just like what should be there. And to this day, me and the Flotsam guys are like this. We love each other to death, you know, especially me and Craig. Like, you know, when we were on tour, it's not very often, you know, that, but, you know, as, as grown men, they would always be like, 
dude. Well, they changed the whole set list on me. Because when I got there, I was supposed to learn a lot of the new stuff. Yeah. But when I got there and I sang Hammerhead and some... They were like, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> so they go, well, I think we need to go back and learn a lot more from, you know, Place for Disgrace. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. And like, when does the tour start? In a week. And I'm like, oh, man. They're like, but dude, you got the voice, you know? Yeah. And it was Jason Ward. It's like, this motherfucker can sing, you know? And yeah. And Eric KK came to rehearsals. Just to be there in case I needed some. He's a sweet dude. I love the guy. Yeah. He he didn't have an attitude like, well, I'm not going on tour and fuck this guy. Yeah. Well, nobody could fill his shoes. He's Eric A.K. He's the baddest motherfucker around too. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. But yeah. at least he was proud enough to know, hey, you're not getting some piece of shit guy come in here and fucking destroy my shit. Yeah, Eric Eric has definitely has a unique voice, and exactly. there's no point to try to to try to replicate it. Just be be who you are in that band, and try to you know get it close to it, but don't you know? Yeah, and, he, and yeah. he made him proud. Like, hey, this guy's going in there. He's doing it with flying colors. So let's uh, before we we uh, end the interview here, let's play some songs from some of the bands that you've been in over the years. So we'll definitely pick Ooh, something. Hammerhead. <laughs> let's definitely pick something from Destiny's End. Okay. Yes, we got to do uh, the Watcher. Yeah, that was one of my favorite songs. Some transition album. Yeah. yeah. And Seven Witches. Let's do uh, Mental Messiah. Perfect. Love yeah. That song. And Killer Machine, we got to do, let's do uh, Fatal Chances. Cool. Let's uh, check out these songs and we'll be back in a few minutes, guys.
guys uh, we are wrapping up our very long interview with James Rivera from Houston Metal Stalwarts Hellstar um, when are we gonna see a James Rivera solo album uh, it's in the works yeah yes it is it's been in the works for a while um, the whole thing that started that you know or kicked that into gear was uh, when, when I did the Malice record um, we got signed to SPV and Ollie is really he's a he's a big uh, image in the metal world that runs SPV and some things went wrong with the whole Malice thing and he suggested that I should do a solo project so that it doesn't look like I'm in out of bands if I'm going to do something different yeah but not to say that they're they are going to sign it it's just an idea you know I mean so so what since the, since the idea came up I decided that, you know what, maybe that is the best thing for me to do. The only reason why I avoided that for so long was I didn't want it to sound so egotistical. Like, oh, I'm doing my own thing. You, it, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, right, yeah. You get the vibe, like, what, you know, who, who does he think he is, you know? But at the same time, if you think about it, I could do something called just James Rivera, have, well, now look at all the world that I've come across. I got Jeff, Jeff Loomis playing on a solo, you know, doing an instrumental thing. I've got the guy that wants to do this, that, you know, names that I can bring into this thing and go, I, I, hey, guys, I got a budget. You want to do a record? And it's just called James Rivera. And then that way I can pick and choose who is ever going to be on tour. 
and that way I'll never look like I'm mm. missing members. And you could branch out and just really... It's like Sabbath, Judas, Sabbath at the same time. And my idea of doing the James Rivera record is to be a straight-up metal record that sounds like Restless and Wild. Mm. Metal anthems. Yeah. Nothing fancy, nothing technical, just, you know, but quality, not cheesy. And that's my my vision of James Rivera, is to do a fucking metal record just like, like Udo does. Yeah. And every oh, song yeah. is one of those you just can't get out of your head when you go to bed. Camera fall. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's my idea. So if you can write a record like that, let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Thank you for uh, taking the time to hang out with here, hang out with us here on the show. Uh, um, no problem, man. Any final comments you'd like to make to the fans? Well, you know what? Thank you guys for following me so much. Um, it's it's been a hard road, and uh, I hope there's nothing I said that was offending. Or um, at the end of the day, man, I really appreciate your support. You know, it's real. It's true. Um, other than that, you know, I mean, I couldn't make it without you because uh, without those positive comments on Facebook or wherever it comes from, I wouldn't be doing this anymore. So I'm obviously doing something right. And I thank you guys so much for that. So everybody take a look for the brand new Hellstar album. This Wickedness comes out the end of April, April 29th to be specific. Um, check them out when they come to your town. Do whatever you got to do to see these guys live. They're going to kick your ass. Yep. Even if we're in the middle of uh, where Dorothy fell asleep and uh, she got knocked <laughs> over. Which, my God, I would love to sleep with Dorothy. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Back then. No, I'm telling you, she's well, not dead. Not now, yeah. <laughs> I'll take the red slippers. Yeah. <laughs> I'll wear those at the uh, in numbers right now. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Thank so, you guys so much, really, man. Appreciate you. Uh, take care of yourselves. Keep the dreams flowing. Do what you got to do to make yourself a better person in this world or be the same better person that you are now. And don't worry about what's falling down behind us. Fall of Dominion, well, we can't help that, all right? You can only live out for yourself, man. Cool. Thank you very much, man. And uh, as we say to all of our guests, keep it metal. And keep it real. And smooth jazz. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Good night, everybody.
Thanks for listening to another fine podcast brought to you by MSR Productions. All rights reserved, blah, 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 blah. For reviews, archives of our podcasts, and all your other metal geekery needs, please visit MSRcast.com. Metal or die, let's get your metal all, all the time. Yeah!